Hey guys, it's Sim and this is Wrestling Unlimited. As it is September 3rd, 2023, and tonight was AEW All Out. Then I'm just going to say it, to be completely honest, most of this show was meh. Like, don't get me wrong. Really, 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 really good matches. But in all actuality, one, two, three, like three or four matches felt important even a little. Like, eh? But, like, the thing here is, it's like three or four of these matches on this show felt important and like they meant something. The rest of the 13 were just matches. It was like if we were to have a very special episode of Collision. And everyone tried super hard because it was supposed to be a super special episode. That's what this show felt like. Nothing had stakes for the most part. Yeah, there was a bunch of titles on the line. But there were a bunch of title matches that nobody cared about. I mean, who really cares about John Silver and Alex Reynolds challenging MJF and Adam Cole? Who really cares about Shane Taylor challenging Samoa Joe? Like, nobody. Who really cares about... Like, I, can go on, I can go on and on. Who really cares about Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Jay Lethal challenging the acclaimed to Billy Gunn? Nobody. Did anybody think those titles would change hands? No. Out of all the matches we got, if I'm being completely honest, I'm looking at all the title matches here. There were one, two, three, four, five... Six title matches. One of those, I thought we'd see a title change. I could see some people thought Darby may have won. Other than that, no one even batted an eye. No one even thought for a second. Oh, well, Ruby's going to win this belt. Oh, I think Taylor's going to win that belt. No. And then you have a pay-per-view where there's no world title. And the world title was never even supposed to be defended on this show? What? Come on. Your world champions in the opening match? Tag title match that was just there? Like, this show to me was a little bit of a letdown. I'm gonna say it. I was a little bit let down by most of this show. Not to say that there wasn't great action. Not to say that Brian Danielson and Ricky Starks didn't steal the show. I don't know about that because I think I'm still torn on if Ricky Starks and Brian Danielson or Orange Cassidy and John Moxley were the better match. I'm not 100% sure on that thinking right now just coming off of it. But talk about it more here in a moment. I got to get to housekeeping. I'll say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can subscribe with a tiered subscription. Or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games. And you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. 
and I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here for Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember, head over to YouTube, hit that join button, and become a channel member. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're getting in on that Warner Brothers sale, whether you're getting in on that PlayStation sale, whether you're claiming the free game, Cave Story Plus, or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, use this code right here, PWUnlimited, at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Trying to get into Season 4 of Fortnite? What is it? Chapter 4, Season 4? Need that new Battle Pass? Use this code. Trying to get John Cena, Bianca Belair, and Becky Lynch in, in uh, Fortnite? Use this code, P-W-U-N-L-I-M-I-T-E-D at checkout. Again, doesn't cost you anything. Just a couple of seconds to type it in, and there you go. Heck, just go on your PlayStation or your Switch or your Xbox or your computer and put this code in. You're at the bottom of the item shop in Fortnite, and then you don't even have to worry about it again. You just leave it there, and it stays there. But with that, as far as this show does go, we had to watch the pre-show. Because there were matches on it. Now, I did miss the first, like, two minutes of this Battle Royal. Actually, no. I missed the entrances. And then I saw everybody surrender. So, I didn't miss anything. Because the Tony Nese thing opened the Battle Royal. So, never mind. I thought I did. But I, it was like, I started it during entrances. So, um, former AEW World Champion Hangman Page has been relegated to the pre-show Battle Royal. Like, what? One of the biggest stars you have, and he's on the pre-show in a battle royal? When I say this show really meant nothing, this show really meant nothing other than AEW wanted to say, hey, we're donating a bunch of money to a cause in Chicago. Um, I'm going to say this first off and foremost. Right now, only time, Prez, we're not talking CM Punk. CM Punk is gone. He's been fired. There's no new news, so we're just going to sit around. Now, there's a rumored story that I'm trying to get more confirmation on, but we'll go from there. We're not talking CM Punk tonight. But in this Battle Royal, we did have Hangman Page, Brian Cage, Toa Leona, Kyle Fletcher, Action Andretti, Scorpio Sky, Daniel Garcia, Mark Davis, which, yeah, Daniel Garcia, Mark Davis, Jake Hager, Matt Menard, Bishop Khan, Chuck Taylor, Darius Martin, Dalton Castle, Angelo Parker, Commander, Sean Spears, Serpentico, and Tony Nese. Tony Nese ran down the crowd pre-match and wanted to do a group training session with the other 19 entrants in this match. Best friends, Action Andretti and Martin, all launched at Nice and then grabbed him and threw him over the top rope. Mark Sterling was not none too happy. Castle and the boys were beaten down by the Mogul Embassy where everybody was wiped out by Commander Shooting Star Press. Serpentico then tried, a, tried to fight the entire former JAS crew what was eliminated. Spears and Garcia had a 10 thrust off. It was like, 10 thrust, 10 thrust, 10 thrust. Like, cool. It was kind of funny. And then they were attacked by Aussie Open. And then Garcia thrusted at each of them. This resulted in Davis and Fletcher eliminating Sean Spears. Numbers game got the best commander as he was eliminated by the Mogul Embassy. Boys saved Dalton Castle from being eliminated at one point but then caught Parker as well and placed him down in the most anticlimactic way. And commentary even said it. Oh, that was kind of nothing. <laughs> Castle, however, was soon eliminated. Martin was tossed by Garcia and Menard as Taylor was dumped by the Gates of Agony. Khan was eliminated by Hangman, while Menard was shown eliminating the uh, eliminated on the opposite side. 
with Hager being eliminated by Sky soon after. Paige and Beretta teamed up to dump Davis as Sky sent Garcia to the floor. Cage and Leona eliminated Sky, and we're down to uh, we're down to now Andretti, Beretta, Paige, Cage, Leona, and Fletcher. Both Fletcher and Andretti got to show off some of their athleticism until Fletcher dumped Andretti after a running lariat. Fletcher and Beretta then fought on the apron, where Beretta hit a half and half and eliminated Fletcher. Cage and Leona double teamed Beretta until Cage hit an F five to the floor to eliminate him, leaving Paige two on one. Cage then fought off Cage's powerbomb and hit Leona with a buckshot before dumping him. Cage then tried a discus lariat, but instead hit a spinning neckbreaker. Cage and Paige both fought over the top onto the apron until Paige was able to hit a dead eye and Cage fell to the floor. So there we go. Hangman Page does end up winning the Battle Royal. It was a fun Battle Royal. Great way to start the pre-show. Then something was just Standard, by the books, nothing happening. Six women. Trios. Tyreek, did you not watch the show? Did you not see John Moxley's entrance? The man walked out there and was out there the whole match. Bandaged up, brother. Did you not watch the main event? Brian was there. The entire match. He came out during the entrance and was there to celebrate afterwards. Like, yeah. So, no, Ryan's still part of the BCC. But as far as this next match does goes, Willow Nightingale, Sky Blue, and Hikaru Shida taking on Athena, Diamante, and Mercedes Martinez. Um, so it was an, there was an interesting thing early on where... um. What's the word I'm looking for? They didn't want Billy Starks out there. Diamante Martinez. And um, so like Athena convinced them otherwise. And Athena chucked Diamante to the Wolves and had her start the match. And it was weird. I don't, I don't watch Ring of Honor. So maybe someone can correct me here. Are Athena and Billy Starks a thing? Because Tony Khan had said on the media scrum... That if Billy was cleared, she was going to challenge Athena for the title on this show. And now they're together. I don't know. I don't watch Ring of Honor, so maybe someone can enlighten me. But as far as the match itself does go, um, Diamante was in there with Sky Blue, and she was met with a blue cross body. Diamante was briefly controlled in the corner, but a cheap shot from Martinez onto Blue allowed Diamante to hit a crossroads-style move to keep Blue isolated. Athena started trash-talking her own team, which allowed Blue to make the tag to Nightingale, who ran wild on the ROH Women's Champion. The match broke down with Diamante wiping out Nightingale as Sheeta did a deal on Diamante with a Falcon Arrow. Martinez caught a trapped Blue in the corner with a violent German, or, yeah, German spider as Nightingale charged and met a hung-up Martinez with a cannonball. 
Athena and Sheena were left standing to slug it out. The two went back and forth, and then they were pulled to the outside where Nightingale pounced Athena into the railing. Martinez was then sent into the railing by Nightingale as well before hitting an assisted thrust kick. There's a Death Valley driver on Diamante as Blue hit a sloppy code blue and picked up the victory. Like that code blue at the end did not look good. She barely got it, barely got over on it, and I was just like, hmm, not a good match. Not really that good of a match. And Athena, of course, pissed off afterwards. We then get a another one of these telenovelas, I guess you can call it, from La Fashion Ingobernables. They were shown, the video was shown about rebuilding and how their time is now. They must bring the violence and the dominance. Rue said that they must take their titles and take over AEW. I guess he's talking about him, Drillistico, and Preston Vance going for the trios belts, maybe? I wouldn't be against it if they build them up and not just be like, what are here? Let's challenge for the belts. And it's just like out of nowhere. And I get it. That wasn't a Mexican accent. That was more Italian. Speaking of the trios titles, the trios titles were on the line in the next match. It was the acclaimed and daddy ass. Against Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Satnam Singh. Again, just a normal Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh acclaimed match. Just a bunch of random stuff going on. So I guess you could say these two teams work very well together. Because whenever you see a Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh match, it's a lot of bullshit. When you see an acclaimed daddy ass match, quite a lot of bullshit. Pre-match, Dutt introduced his team by wearing an Isaiah Thomas Pistons jersey in Chicago. Singh faked a slam dunk on a hoop, but then popped the basketball instead. Caster's rap talked about Rodman being friends with Kim Jong-un and called Jarrett's crew the 2023 oddities, which is funny because that's what Dave Meltzer keeps calling them. Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez keep calling them Jarrett's oddities group. So I find that so funny that um, Max Caster referenced that. Because the only other person I've ever, like the only other people I've ever heard call them Jarrett's Oddities group is Brian and Dave. Um, Daddy Ass. And Mike Posey. Um... Wasn't the referee for this match, and they brought out Aubrey Edwards, which infuriated Karen Jerry. You know, Karen and Aubrey don't get don't get along. And later we saw Aubrey basically kicking, literally kicking Karen out of the ring. Uh, and and also in this match, Karen or Aubrey was like the worst ref ever. I'll tell you about that. The match broke down right as the bell rang as Jarrett was hit with uh, scissor me timbers before Caster and Bowens did a Fargo strut. Jarrett took the ref. And Singh got a cheap shot on Caster to allow Jarrett to do the proper Fargo strut. Anyways, anyways, after being isolated, Caster finally made the tag to Bowens. Bowens ran wild with some strikes on Lethal. Karen then tripped up Bowens, who made the tag to Daddy Ass, and slugged it out with Singh, who then hit a big boot and a chokeslam onto Bowens. Karen tried to use a guitar shot to use a guitar on Daddy Ass, but was caught by the referee Aubrey Edwards. She was then kicked and shoved out of the ring. And so Aubrey kicks Karen out of the ring and then does the whole, I'm going to 
I'm going to lean over the ropes and yell at you and go like this. Probably can't see me. Yell at you and go like this so I don't see what's going on here. Over here is Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman then hits that and sing with a guitar. This was utter bullshit. This sucked. I mean, not sucked from an entertainment standpoint. Sucked from a, yeah, we know Aubrey's a bad fucking referee. She's always, quote, distracted so the crap can happen. Always. Always. So that then led Lethal getting planted with the famous sir and a rival in a mic drop. He claimed in Billy Gunn, retained the belts. Um, Excalibur then welcomes us to the main show alongside Nigel McGinnis and Kevin Kelly. I really love Nigel McGinnis on commentary. I'm just going to say it. I really love Nigel McGinnis. And I love Nigel McGinnis when Christian is out there. Because Christian will do something and he'll be like, oh, father of the year. <laughs> like, I love that he plays up that father of the year thing with Christian coming later. So the match that opens up the card, better than you, Bay Bay, MJF and Adam Cole, defending the ROH World Tag Team Championships against Dark Orders, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. MJF and Cole wore matching Chicago Bulls number 23-inspired T-shirts. I found that very cool. I thought that was very awesome. Where do we buy those? Because it said, better than you, baby, in like Chicago Bulls style, and then had their names and a 23 on the back. Yeah, but very, very awesome. Cole and Silver started things off with a fast opening sequence as the crowd was chanting for the kangaroo kick and the double clothesline. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. At one point during this match, did I not hear, um, did I not hear the crowd chanting single clothesline? Anyways, MJF yelled to the crowd how Reynolds helped train him and got a sportsmanship chant. There's an eye poke and a Fargo strut. It almost led to a kangaroo kick, but Silver attacked MJF from behind. MJF really was selling things here about his neck. And this goes all the way back to last week in the main event. The evil Uno took the ref outside as Reynolds got a cheap shot with a chair to the neck of MJF. So, are Dark Order heels or baby faces? What the fuck? Let me know. The doctors then checked on MJF and helped him do the back, leaving Cole at a disadvantage. We knew what was coming. We knew what was coming. Cole and Silver then started with the fast pace. Oh, no, I read that line. Uh, Cole then cut off a diving Silver with an enziguri in midair and caught a leaping Reynolds with a super kick. Back inside, Cole wanted a Panama Sunrise, but Silver countered into a combo of kicks and a Fisherman's Buster for a two. The referee again was taken as Evil Luno posted Cole outside in Excalibur. Uh, talked about the mean streak. The Dark Order have found again. Being first introduced to them by the late, great Brody Lee. So it's like, they're heels now? Don't even know. Cole countered Silver's bearing buster into a neck breaker. Right onto his knee, Yushigoroshi, as Uno flipped Cole off in his corner. As Silver and Reynolds hit a wombo combo for a close near fall. Silver and Reynolds then called for a connection with a double clothesline. As Silver grabbed a tag title, but Cole avoided and wiped out both men. 
Crowd then started chanting for MJF, and right on cue, here comes the champ. MJF comes down, storms to the ring, and gets the hot tag running wild. A double eye poke and a double noggin knocker, as Excalibur compared him to Jordan in the flu game. There was some miscommunication by Silver and Reynolds that led to a kangaroo kick connecting to make the crowd explode. Uno then ate a super kick on the apron as the double clothesline was called for and hit on Reynolds. Cole then pinned him and picked up the victory. So, like, fun overall, but I always think the whole, he's hurt, now the other tag team partner's got to go it alone is dumb because you always know what's going to happen. I don't know if I've ever seen the partner not come back. So in that regard, I didn't like the match that much. Overall, if we're not talking about it in that, that vein, the action of the match was good. But even like I said last week with our main event, too much of this bullshit storylines. Like, they're, they're trying to overbook MJF Adam Cole matches now. Like last week when the double pin, five more minutes, and then this one. His neck, he's got to be taken away, and he's going to come back. No. No. Okay, hold on. Tyreek, how are you going to be in the chat spewing stuff like, is Brian no longer in the BCC, and then say you didn't even watch the show? What? Like, not to be rude or anything, but that's kind of a dumb comment then. If you didn't watch the show, then why are you commenting on things that happened on the show-ish, kind of whatever? I get it, you asked a question. But still, it's like, watch the show, bud. But regardless, we got an interesting post-match kind of deal here. So MJF is walking up the ramp, holding his neck, holding his neck. Adam goes, grabs all the belts. He's like, I got everything. I got everything. Let's go. Come on, Max. Just take your time. And then all of a sudden, they get towards the top of the ramp, and you're boom, boom, see the fire you know it's Samoa Joe Joe's coming out and Excalibur's like well it looks like Samoa Joe doesn't want to wait for his next match Joe comes down kind of gives a look at MJF goes down to the ring and Max he's like this holding his neck and Nicole's like don't do it Max no Max stop and Max starts to go and then he runs into the ring and attacks Samoa Joe he just goes right after Joe Basically, agents and security and everybody, 20 people it looked like, maybe 15, had to run down and break this all up. You got MJF being held in this corner. You got Smojo being held over in this corner. And ultimately, everything gets restored. And Adam Cole gets Max out there, and we go on from there. A Smojo versus Shane Taylor. Match two big guys just hitting big moves on each other. I was bored. But what I'm not bored about is... The intrigue of what a MJF Samoa Joe world title match could be. Now, as somebody that is a major Samoa Joe fan, I'm just going to write out, say, I want Joe to win. I would want Joe to beat Max for the belt. I don't know if that's the right call. I think Max needs to hold that belt till January 1st, at least, because of the whole pitting war of 2024. But as a big Samoa Joe fan, and when you really look at it, and when you think about it, all my current favorite wrestlers all came from Ring of Honor. And I didn't really watch a lot of Ring of Honor when all those guys were there, but regardless. Like, they're, they're teasing something here with Samoa Joe and MJF, and I think it's going to be great. Samoa Joe had a 
less than great, less than good, just okay match with Shane Taylor. Kevin Kelly said that this shouldn't last long. Well, actually, let me pull up the Wikipedia, too, for the um, times. Let's go wiki, 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 wiki. How long did the first couple matches go? Uh, the Battle Royal went 11 minutes and 15 seconds. The women's six-man uh, ta six tag went 8 minutes and 30 seconds. The acclaimed trios match went 5 minutes and 57 seconds. And then the Ring of Honor tag title match, 14 minutes and 5 seconds. So, Kevin Kelly says, this match shouldn't go long, and it didn't really go too long. It went less than 6.5 minutes. Um... Uh, Taylor mowed down Joe early on with a lariat. The match then slipped to the outside where Taylor got the upper hand. Taylor kept Joe grounded back inside the ring and only managed a one count off of it, though. Joe clipped Taylor with an enziguri. And you know, he followed with a massive elbow to Asita. Joe connected with his combo of a Manhattan drop, big boot, senton, and then Taylor kicked out a one, though. Basically showing, there's two big, strong men. They're going to have to do a lot to keep down. Taylor again clocked Joe with a lariat. But while on the apron, Joe locked on a rear naked choke. Taylor draped Joe over the ropes and hit a Tower of London stunner variation before hitting a splash for a two. Taylor then fired off a number of lariats before Joe exploded with one of his own, crumbling Taylor in the process. A slugfest then ensued before Joe brutally hit a forearm and a series of knee lifts until a coquina clutch was applied and Taylor tapped out. So there we go. Joe retains in a match that went less than six and a half minutes. Next up, in one of the few matches that actually meant anything, because they've been building this matchup for a while, was Luchasaurus defending the TNT Championship against Darby Allen. Very solid storytelling in this match. Big guy versus little guy. Cage's involvement was good with um, Nick Wayne and stuff, so I actually really liked this match. Probably because there was a story to it. There was backstory. There was history. It wasn't, oh, hey, it's Wednesday. Oh, hey, it's Saturday. Shit, we need stuff for the pay-per-view. Let's just make random matches. Anyways, Jim Ross replaced Kevin Kelly on commentary prior to this match as Allen low-bridged Luchasaurus, who caught a leaping Allen and launched him into the rail violently. Luchasaurus then had uh, Allen in a wheelbarrow spot and swung him headfirst into the steel steps as Cage ordered him, finish him. As Allen was bleeding at this point. Good amount of blood on this show, too. But it wouldn't be an AEW pay-per-view without it. Luchasaurus then trapped Allen under the steps and proceeded to walk on them with Allen screaming in pain. We've seen Darby do a similar spot before. Finally, in the ring, Luchasaurus hit a spinning side suplex and a wild headbutt to a charging Allen. After a chokeslam attempt, Allen backflipped out and hit a springboard crossbody. Allen tried to follow up with another crossbody off the top, but bounced right off of Luchasaurus like a ball. We saw this before, too, where he tried to dive onto Luchasaurus to the outside a couple of weeks ago, and Luchasaurus just boom, stood there and took it. Basically the same thing. Allen back, uh, battled back and set up Luchasaurus on a chair outside and did a somersault dive from the top to the floor and clipped Luchasaurus just enough to avoid disaster. Almost over-rotated, almost like flew past Luchasaurus, barely got it. Back inside the ring, Luchasaurus almost hit a torture rack backbreaker, but Allen countered into a crucifix bomb for a two. Allen wanted a coffin splash, but Luchasaurus caught him in a released German suplex that dropped Allen right on his head. Cage demanded Wayne throw in the towel for Allen, who was locked in a torture rack. 
Allen flipped free and wiped out Cage with a low tope before getting caught in Luchasaurus' clutches yet again. Allen then bit free from the grasp of the big man and hit an avalanche code red for, on Luchasaurus, but he did not kick out quite in time as Rick Knox had to pull his pin. He's like, one, two, three. We saw a lot of this where the referees were in. It's a lot of Rick Knox pulling their, their yeah. Crowd kind of booed because they saw what happened. Allen went to the top, but Cage clocked Wayne with a chair shot in the back, and Cage said that he was going to do a concerto if Allen didn't get down. Luchasaurus cut Allen off from the corner and hit multiple tombstone pile drivers before hitting a snake eyes and a lariat to the back of the head to retain the title. So there we go. Luchasaurus does retain the belt. Then they start double-teaming Darby. Like they're going to go for a concerto on him when Sean Spears, Charlie Bravo, Sean Dean, Trent Beretta, Action Andretti, Ethan Page, and others would come out to stop them. Christian was like, let's go. We don't need any of this. And yeah. So they really pushed that um, Sean Spears was the one that, that spearheaded this save. So maybe Sean Spears is next for the TNT title. I don't know. Then we had a really fun match. It was Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs. As Caliber referenced, a great line Big E had said in the past. Basically, slap meat, meaty men. There are a lot of chants for slap that meat, meat forever, and holy meat. From the crowd. Each man. Um, Let me see. Um, Let's see. Each man was able to throw the other to the mat after early lockups as Miro relentlessly unloaded corner strikes. Miro tried to explode with a lariat, but Hobbs didn't budge and ran through Miro with a lariat of his own. Miro battled back with his spin kicks and used his agility to hit a perfect drop kick. Hobbs used his amazing strength to hit an overhead belly to belly and stayed in control with another overhead throw. Hobbs missed a corner charge and spilled outside where Miro met him with a somersault senton off the apron. Miro then drove Hobbs repeatedly into the railing, but Hobbs slapped Miro in the face and tried wearing him back down. Miro then fought back as both men collided repeatedly with charges in the ropes. As the crowd chanted, meet, 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 Miro hit a succession of lariats with Hobbs barely, really not really going down until Miro finally dropped him with the last one. Miro channeled his best Sheamus and hit the 10 beats of the Bowdrin, basically. Hobbs then spun around and hit a front face suplex on Miro in the ring. Hobbs then went to the top, but Miro cut him off and hit a huge superplex. Crowd jumped to their feet. Miro then hit some thrust kicks, but missed a second, and Hobbs hit a spinning power slam for a two. Hobbs got his answer to the early lariats 
by hitting multiple ones until Miro mowed him down with one uh, one hit. With one and hit the thrust kick for two. I wrote that weird. Miro called for the game over. But Hobbs was able to power out of it and backpacked Miro and drove him into the corner. Hobbs caught a leaping Miro with a spine buster for the closest two of the match. Hobbs then tried the game over. But Miro answered back with a spine buster of his own and a game over locked in tightly. Hobbs eventually taps out. So the match ends and Miro looks like he's going to leave. And then Hobbs is standing there and he asks for a handshake to shake hands. Miro goes to walk off, and like Hobbs lets go of the handshake, but not fully, and so it felt like to Miro that he was trying to pull him back, but he wasn't, kind of, whatever, and so Miro comes back at Hobbs, and Hobbs is like, hey, it's just a handshake, just a handshake. Well, Hobbs then attacks. Hobbs attacks Miro from behind and started to choke him out, when all of a sudden, we saw the debut of Miro's hot wife. C.J. Perry, also known as Lana. So she comes down to the ring with a chair, hits Hobbs with it. He no-sells it. Hobbs turns his back enough for Miro to recover and hit a chair shot on both of the back and the head. Perry smiled at her husband, but Miro sold it as he didn't know what to think. Like, who? I don't know if it was a who are you or what are you doing here kind of thing. But then he left and was like, you're not real. No, you're not real. So I don't know, because he had said before he denounced his hot wife or something like that. This is going to be an interesting one that I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. Because Miro and CJ, when they were in WWE together, holy crap. They were magic on screen. They were so good together. Whether they were, you know, NXT version, when, when the NXT version... And when they first came to the main roster of just the Russian and the Bulgarian brute. But then when they kind of transitioned away from that. And when they did like the Rusev Day stuff. And they got more funny but were still serious. And we know these two have a wide range on what they can do. And I am so excited for that. And for them to be back together. Long time coming. Should have been a long time. Should have been a long time ago. But this is one of the things that really got me on the show. Like, oh, I'm excited for what's coming next with this. Because again, I think they are perfect together in whatever role they're put in. Whether it is a serious role, whether it's a whether it's a funny role, whether it's a combined role, like whatever they're it's just great. When they were doing the Rusev stuff, the Rusev Day stuff, and they were working John Cena at WrestleMania 31. Like it's just all great. Then we had Chris Stanzer, can't speak. Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho for the TBS championship, and Soraya was at ringside. So really, they had to follow what we saw last. Miro and Hobbs. And the crowd that loved that match didn't quite love this match. I'll just say that. This match was sloppy at times, and not all that great. Interestingly, Ruby Soho did not have the outcast theme. She had a rancid theme again, but no Taz to go, Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho. So, unfortunate. No Taz at all, I don't think. Uh, both ladies traded some offense early on as Soho missed a corner charge and Statlander connected with an awkward running knee. Again, some sloppy spots. 
Zylander sent Soho into the railing outside and chased after Soraya long enough for Soho to hit a missile drop kick and then take just the hardest back bump I've seen in a long time. She jumps off the apron. Like, like pretend this is her back. She jumps off the apron, hits the drop kick. When she hits the drop kick, you see she kicks Statlander because she then bounces back off of Statlander and you just hear, that looked like it hurt so bad when she just splatted is the best way to put it on the floor. So, Satlander took advantage of this. No. Soho took advantage of this and grounded Satlander in the ring and cut the champion off with the heel trip for a two. Satlander fought back with some kicks, including a desperation no future kick that led to a double down spot. Statlander kept avoiding corner charges until she lit up Soho with a violent party in the corner. Uh, a nice snap power slam followed as Statlander hit a spinning fisherman's driver for a near fall. Statlander applied a gory special, but Soho countered into a roll-up and a cradle for a two. Soho countered a Sunday night fever into a roll-up before both ladies got up and collided with crossbody attempts for the rest. Soraya then ripped up a fan sign at ringside as Soho was caught, cut, cut off in the ropes where Statlander hit sort of an avalanche tour of the islands, kinda. Got a two-fall off of it. Statlander then got a fisherman's carry, but Soho turned it into a poison rana. There's a DDT and a low hurricane rana for a closest near fall of the match. Statlander was then able to hit a blue thunderbomb, but Soraya trash-talked, and that allowed Soho to hit a no future and a destination unknown, but Statlander kicked out. Soraya then took the ref, because it's not an AEW match, especially an AEW title match, if there's not a ref distraction. Soho then wanted to go for the spray paint, but Tony appeared and took the spray paint away and was just like, I got the spray paint! I got the spray paint! This distracted Ruby. Statlander hit the Sunday Night Fever and pinned her to pick up the victory. This is the dumbest freaking thing I've seen. This finish sucked. Sucked. Like, what? I don't understand this at all. So, Tony's not an outcast anymore. Obviously. She now doesn't like Soraya and um, Ruby. So now she's going to screw them? What, is she going to cost Soraya the woman's title? I don't know, but this sucked. What didn't suck was Brian Danielson and Ricky Starks in a no-DQ strap match. Danielson comes back a month early. Commentary even talks about it. Like, this man wasn't expected back for at least another month. Ooh, boy, was this great. Again, Nigel, great on the call here. Nigel is perfect for this match. Also had a Ricky Steamboat on commentary as well. Ricky Steamboat joined commentary, and then we hear banana pom, banana pom pom, banana pom, banana pom 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 It's the final countdown. They got it again for Brian Danielson. They got him the final countdown. Crowd sang along. It was fantastic. Starks, though, attacks prior to the belt and starts whipping Danielson with his own weight belt. 
a la his mentor, Cody Rhodes. So he's like Cody walking around with his own weight belt. Anyways, the match has not started because the strap is not on Ricky's wrist. It's on Brian's wrist, but not Ricky's wrist. Aubrey Edwards referees yelling at, at Ricky, we need to get this on your wrist, we need to get this on your wrist, and he's just ignoring the crap out of her. So they're fighting on the floor. He's hitting Brian with the weight belt. He's cracking Brian across the back. He even hits him at one point with the buckle of the belt, busting Brian's face open. Match hasn't even started, and Brian's already half his face covered in blood. Finally, it was that moment. Referee Aubrey started the match after she got them both in the ring, put the, the thing on the, the, the strap on Ricky's wrist, and rang the bell. Starks then choked Danielson with a strap and dragged him all over the floor before stomping on the head of Brian Danielson. Starks then continued his assault in the ring as Danielson fought back with some headbutts and some kicks, but Starks whipped Danielson in the side of the head with a strap. Danielson was bleeding buckets at this point as Starks wanted a superplex, but Danielson slid through and crotched Starks. Danielson violently whipped Starks repeatedly and got his revenge, choking Starks, who was trapped in a tree of woe. Excuse me. There was a baseball slide that sent Starks to the floor. But Starks used the strap to pull Danielson in and crack him in the face. Starks then opted to trash talk Steamboat as Danielson was able to post Starks in the process, busting him open as well. Now, I got to give it to people that work strap matches. Because you have this long strap. And seemingly, they know what they're doing well enough to where it never gets tangled in the ropes. Because you can honestly, and we'll talk about it here in a moment. There's a spot when... Ricky gets thrown out of the ring, and he goes over the top rope. Brian then jumps off the turnbuckle. Now, if Ricky would have got thrown like through the middle rope, and then Brian tried to jump off the turnbuckle, strap would have got all wrapped up. So, these guys, kudos to them and other people that have done strap matches in the past that throw each other in and out of the ring for doing it properly, safely, I guess you could say. Danielson continued to whip Starks as McGinnis on commentary pleaded for things to stop, saying this was getting very violent. He then asked Steamboat about what it's like to taste your own blood. And Steamboat's like, it's not bad when you see your own blood. It's not bad when you feel that blood flowing down your face. But when you taste it, something just, it changes you. And Excalibur goes, yeah, it's probably the taste of iron. Danielson hit some corner drop kicks, but Starks fired out and turned Danielson inside out with the lariat. Starks started violently whipping the hell out of Danielson over and over again. Danielson welts all over his back. Danielson started yanking, or shaking, I mean. And when he did, the crowd started chanting, you effed up. Starks then gasped as Danielson answered with whips of his own, kicks aplenty to the point where Starks crumbled, and the crowd applauded on their feet. Big Bill would then appear and attack Danielson as Ricky's steamboat would jump off a commentary and yank Big Bill off the apron, hit him with a chop, punched him in the head, and then Bill pushed him down. This then led to Ricky Starks being thrown over the top rope and knocking over Bill. Danielson then jumped to the top rope and cross-bodied both of them. Good to see they got Ricky Steamboat involved, though. Danielson went for some kicks back inside the ring where Starks exploded out with a spear and a close two. Starks went for the Rochambeau, but Danielson slid out, hit a Busaku knee, and Starks kicked out. Danielson started uh, kicks, kicking Starks in the head before applying a label lock. He wrapped the strap around the throat, and Starks expressed a masterful 
submission. Like basically like, ah, I quit, I quit. And then he passed out. So yeah, this is good. This is great. This is awesome. This is fantastic. I'm still not sure if I like this or the main event better though. I might have to watch them both again. Nigel McGinnis then gets up from the commentary table and they start just cutting the camera and looking around and Nigel's like, this? Do you want me to read this? Is this what you want me to do? Am I getting into the ring? No, I'm just going to read right here at ringside. Okay. Hey, guys. So uh, we saw earlier on the, the buy-in, the, the zero hour, there was a charity battle royal where the winner got to donate $50,000 to the charity of their choosing. And Adam Hangman Page has actually um, decided to, what was it? The Chicago Public Education Fund, which makes sense. He's a former teacher. So it makes sense. That he would want to donate money to schools. So they stated, basically, it was a look at us. We need to we need to boost our egos, so we're going to donate fifty thousand dollars to charity. And next caliber goes, if you want to boost that number and donate more as well, you can do it here at da 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 da. This then led to Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta, the BCC against Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata. As far as this match does go, Taz joined commentary as Kingston wore a shirt that read, Claudio sucks. Um, Claudio sucks eggs, I mean. Tribute to Terry Funk, because he had the Dusty Sucks Egg shirt. Uh, Yuta and Shibata grappled early, with Shibata connecting with Kawada Kicks, with, uh, with Claudio Casagnuli wanting the tag, and Yuta obliging. Claudio hit some strikes, but missed a drop kick. So Shibata hit him with the PK. Kingston then tagged in, and Claudio bailed, having Yuta tag in and getting his ass kicked by Kingston before the brawl was on the outside with Kingston and Claudio. So Yuta connected with a dive, and Claudio drove Kingston into the railing. Like, they're really building up. Kingston's going to challenge Claudio for that Ring of Honor world title. Probably a final battle. Or Grand Slam. I can see it at Grand Slam because that's in New York. Kingston remained isolated until an STO on Yuta allowed Shibata to make the hot tag. Shibata and Claudio took turns with some charging corner strikes as Shibata was the one to stand tall with his stalling running dropkick leading to a butterfly suplex. Shibata transitioned to a triangle choke. Uh, triangle choke. And Claudio escaped as he and Yuta connected on a fastball special for a near fall. Shibata then exploded out with a back fist and crumbled Yuta. With Yuta locked in a submission, uh, Shibata no-sold Claudio's strikes and got an ankle lock on him as well. Kingston then made the tag and planted Yuta with a DDT after Yuta tried to skin the cat. Machine gun chops led to an exploder as Claudio cut Kingston off with a big boot. Yuta was caught with a pump kick but Shibata, by Shibata into a Seattle suplex from Kingston. Shibata and Claudio trapped uppercuts. Traded uppercuts. I don't know why I wrote it as trapped. That's weird. Traded uppercuts until an overhand right by Shibata dropped Claudio with the fight continuing outside. Kingston and Yuta had a nice exchange with Yuta dropping Kingston on his head with a suplex. Kingston then fired back with an Inziguri and some stiff slaps. 
Finally, it was Kingston and Claudio who started throwing bombs until Claudio hit a neutralizer for a two. Kingston then floated out of a Ricola bomb and hit a spinning back fist that led to a Northern Lights bomb for a two. Yuta ate a back fist of his own and fell into a choke by Shibata on the apron. Kingston turned around and Claudio hit a massive uppercut and got the pin on Kingston with Shibata stuck on the apron. So it's like, I feel like they're teasing Claudio and Kingston for the belt, but then why would you have had Claudio pin Kingston? Also, to be honest, I expected more from these four. I really did. This felt like a good dynamite or collision match, if I'm going to be honest. So, we had that match, which was, if this was like a match on collision, I would say, holy crap, that was good. But for a pay-per-view, well, I'd say it was great for a TV match, but it was only good for a pay-per-view match, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> so then we had Kenny Omega versus Takeshita. Kanosuke Takeshita. This was a good match. Like, this was really, really good. Great storytelling, callbacks to the entire storyline that they've been building. I enjoyed this match a lot. So Omega was rocking some DDT-inspired gear, which was really cool. Before the match started, he ran around and high-fived basically everybody that was putting their hand up. Tiesha did get the best of him early on, though, after the feeling-out process, dropping Omega on his neck with a scary high-angle backdrop driver that Omega then Omega rolled to the outside. Takeshita hit a running boot, but Omega responded with a you can't escape on the floor. Back inside, Omega punted Takeshita and followed this up with a dunk slam, sinking in the Indian deathlock. There was a slap exchange and ensued until Takeshita went for the eyes. There was a Takeshita line hit, but Omega floated over in the corner. He wanted a Hurricane Rana, but Takeshita blocked it and threw Omega face first into the buckle. <laughs> they then fought on the floor again, this time with Takeshita hitting a brain buster and pulling out some chairs for the ref was like, don't do that. No, 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 no. Then the ref's attention turns to Don. Oh, boy. Don distracts the ref. Takeshita then gets in the ring. He distracts the ref. And Kala starts placing chairs on top of Omega. Takeshita then sees this and does a flip dive over the top rope onto Omega onto the chairs. Um, Takeshita then mocked Omega before hitting a Haluva kick and a blue thunder bomb for a two. It's like, oh, you just think you're Sami Zayn now, don't ya? Don't ya know? Takeshita then continued to pick up Omega, pick Omega apart until Omega got his knees up on a top rope senton attempt. A jumping knee sent Takeshita outside as Omega followed with a Terminator dive. Missile dropkick connected flush, followed by two Snapdragon knee strikes and a poison runner for a two. Both men flipped out of a German attempt and traded pump knee strikes until Takeshita turned Omega inside out with a wild lariat. Omega then floated out of a powerbomb and hit a V-trigger. But Takeshita countered a one-weed angel into a crunchy, and Omega barely had enough strength to get his legs, uh, legs out and started swinging wildly, connecting just enough. But Takeshita fought back with some forearms, and Omega answered with a desperation lariat. There's a leaping V-trigger. That hit in the corner as Omega wanted an avalanche one-winged angel. 
which Takesh escaped from and hit a wild avalanche blue thunder bomb where Kenny landed right on his shoulder and it looked bad. Got a near fall off it though. It was a power drive knee hit from Takeshita, who connected and got a two off of it. Takeshita then took the ref and Callus tried to stab Omega with a screwdriver. Omega moved and he stabbed the ring. Omega noticed it and was like, oh, the screwdriver. So Takeshita comes at Omega. Omega hits a ripcord V-trigger. Takeshita grabs the screwdriver and almost used it during a one-winged angel attempt, but referee Paul Turner saw it and took it away. Both men then traded roll-ups with Takeshita, hitting a wheelbarrow throw into a power drive knee. But Omega kicked out, and the crowd was going nuts. Takeshita exposed the knee and hit a home-run knee strike to crumble Omega. He pulled the, the, the knee pad down and pinned Omega as the crowd was dead. Well, maybe not dead, dead silent, but they were silent because they didn't know what they just saw. They thought Omega was going to win, and then Takeshita pins him. I was shocked, too. I really was as well. So, really, really cool. <clears throat> I thought the match was good. If not, near great. Didn't care for some of the, like, ah, oh, I got to distract the ref this time. Ah, oh, I got to distract the ref again. Ah, oh, there's like three ref distraction spots. It's like, I get it. It's a Don Callis thing, but whatever. Then, I'm sitting here going, oh, so we probably got one match left, right? And then Blue Club Gold comes out, and my mind's blown because I completely, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I 100% completely forgot this match was even happening. Bullet Club Gold versus the Young Bucks and FTR. Like, this match gets going. They're doing the entrances, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is a thing. I forgot about this one. And well, it was a forgettable match. I'm just going to say it. This could have main evented any collision, any dynamite on a pay-per-view. Eh, it was just there. It was just there, if I'm being completely honest. Colton Wheeler had some fast opening sequences with Austin making a quick tag and using his speed to briefly get the upper hand until Wheeler fired off some arm drags in a Hurricane Rana. Bucks made fast tags and were booed by the United Center crowd, which they should be freaking booed with these motherfuckers and what they did yesterday. Freaking Matt Jackson over here taking his victory lap in a collision ring. Grow up. Grow up. I saw, and it may have been from Matt Coon, who said the video of Matt Jackson taking a celebratory victory lap around the ring last night after the show went off the air made one of his friends not want to buy this pay-per-view tonight. I don't blame him. Because that's childish. Oh, we got Punk fired! He's finally out of here! Dumb. You gonna take your victory lap? Okay, we'll see where, we'll see where these collision ratings go. Um, where was I? Um, they soaked in the, the booze, though, and hit their double-team maneuvers. Harvard and White jumped in and picked apart what was left of the opponents until Robinson made the tag and isolated Harwood. The guns and Robinson were too busy, though, throwing up guns. Harwood then tried to fire off some chops on everybody, and White found himself isolated by FTR. 
White managed to chop block Wheeler's leg and tie, uh, and the tides turn as all eight men kind of brawled in the middle of the ring. Um, There's a quadruple atomic drop that set all of the Bullet Club gold colliding until FTR and the Bucks locked in sharpshooters on all of them. Referee Rick Knox restored order, but it allowed Harwood to be trapped in the wrong corner yet again and isolated for an extended period of time. Harwood finally got free and made the tag to Nick, who was a house of fire to mix to a mixed reaction of boos and cheers. So the Bucks then ran wild with their significant offense until Wheeler blocked until uh, Wheeler blocked a Matt super kick and instead hit a double super kick on Austin. Basically, he was like, "No, don't hit one by yourself. We'll hit one together." Nick tried his a slingshot face buster and a moonsault to the floor, but he cleared juice on his attempt. Matt and Harwood then hit spike pile drivers on Austin, and that was broken up. Match then broke down with Bullet Club Gold trying for a triple superplex, but White Robinson and Colton all got crotched. This led to a powerplex elbow drop 450 combo from FTR on the Bucks. Everyone started hitting dives and stuff, and this left Austin and Harwood in the ring colliding with a double clothesline. Um, the finish. Well, the finish was attempted. As Nick and Wheeler hit a shatter machine, and Matt and Harwood hit a BTE trigger for a two on White. Colton laid out Matt with the famous or outside, while White laid out Wheeler with the Blade Runner. As Colton picked up the pieces and stole the pin to pick up the victory. So yes, Bullet Club Gold in the tag team champions FTR. Nick said to Wheeler that he was late for breaking up the pin. But whatever. It's like, I, I, I'm i sorry I was late to break up the pin or something like that. He apologized. I was like, yeah. He apologized. Okay. Cool. So we go into our main event. This was fantastic. Orange Cassidy's reign as Intercontinental or international champion is now over. But boy. But yeah. Like, this was great. This was fantastic. John Moxley's the new champion. We go from there. So the BCC walk out with Mox. Best friends in Statlander walk out with Orange. Cassidy started fast, but Moxley avoided an Orange punch and hit multiple suplexes. Cassidy fought back on the apron, hitting a crossbody, but Moxley rolled through and stomped down repeatedly on the face. Cassidy popped off a stun dog millionaire and a dive to the outside as Cassidy tried his DDT, but Moxley countered into an inside-out plex. Moxley then ragdolled Cassidy on the outside, posting him, and Cassidy was busted open at this point as Moxley pounced on, the, on top of the commentary table, biting at his head. Moxley waited for Cassidy to beat the count and immediately hit a stalling, stalling pile driver. Moxley bit at the head again as Cassidy's blood is now in, his, in the mouth of Moxley, which was pretty dang gross to see. Give me one second. I'm getting a message here. Uh, Moxley is relentless with face strikes as Cassidy tries fighting back with Moxley mocking the hands in the pockets. Moxley wanted a superplex, but Cassidy turned the tables and raked to the back, biting Moxley's head to the to fight fire with fire as, as a diving DDT was followed by the spinning DDT as Moxley avoided an orange punch with some jabs. But Cassidy took a page out of Shibata's book with a PK and an orange punch for a two. 
Moxley countered a beach break into a gotch-style pile driver as Cassidy nearly got a flash crucifix, but Moxley got a rear-naked choke. Moxley transitioned to an arm breaker and a label lock as Cassidy nearly tapped, but he didn't. Cassidy got the ropes and fell to the outside. Moxley exposed the floor by ripping up the mats. Cassidy countered a pile driver into a beach break on the floor, followed by a drop kick, sending Moxley headfirst into the seal steps. Moxley then beat the count, but Cassidy hit multiple orange punches, the third being blocked into a cutter. Cassidy spun out of a death rider into another orange punch and a huge spear for a near fall. Pocket offense from Cassidy, which got more and more intense to fire up the crowd until Moxley hit a wild lariat until Cassidy no-sold it. But Moxley hit it again for a two. There was a death rider that connected, but Cassidy just rolled the shoulder barely to kick out. Cassidy then dripped blood all over as he rose to his feet and flipped off Moxley, who flattened him with yet another home run death rider, fell on him and pinned him to pick up the victory. There we go. New international international champion, the BCC. I'll celebrate with him at ringside. And the crowd in Chicago is going wild. And then the BCC, they leave. Cassidy is still in the ring, laying there. He eventually gets to his feet. The crowd is chanting for him. And the show goes off the air with the crowd and the fans chanting for Cassidy. This was great. This was fantastic. I loved that this was the main event. I really, really did. I thought this was perfect way to cap off this show that was just all right but with that guys you know what i thought of the show now it's time to hear what you guys thought of tonight's aew all-out pay-per-view we do have the polls here that we're going to refresh let's see as far as the twitch poll does go 100 likes the show as far as the twitter poll does go 64 percent liked the shows 20% didn't like the show, and 16% thought it was just all right. Look at the YouTube community poll. 60% liked the show, 24% thought it was just all right, and 15% didn't like it. Person here says, 10 out of 10. Person says, loved it. Person says, went in with low expectations, but they over-delivered big time, 8.5 out of 10. Person says, so bad, no CM Punk. And this person said, way too long as usual. What do you, what do you, what do you expect from an AEW show? You know with 13 matches, you're going to get a long show. But to be honest, the show was really only like a half hour longer than the WWE show yesterday, and no one was complaining about the length of that. So, with that, guys, that is going to wrap everything up. Just an okay show. They did announce that on Wednesday, Aussie Open will be taking on the Less Sex Gods. That's the only thing that I believe has been announced for Wednesday. So with that, guys to wrap everything up we'll be back tomorrow morning for the wrestling wrap up and tomorrow evening to talk monday night raw so with that have a great rest of your night have a great labor day tomorrow if you guys don't gotta work or go to school and we'll see you next time have a good one guys